0: So I'm going to tell you a story uh, about my ongoing quest to ease this whole parenting thing. Uh, So I have two children. I have a girl who is two and a half and I have a nearly five-year-old boy. And I'll tell you, I am not a perfect parent type, in fact, I consider myself more kind of like uh, a well-meaning parent who has picked up a bunch of bad habits along the way, like you know, eating, letting your kids eat chocolate, stuff like that, not really bad things. Um, but we went through this really trying time in our parenting life when Ruri was about a year and a half. Uh, he'd always been a wonderful sleeping baby, you know, he just slept all through the night, every single night. And then somewhere around about a year and a half, he decided that he didn't want to be on his own at night. And we would put him to bed and he would just like scream, like scream with this anxiety, terror. Uh, And we tried everything. We tried sitting with him until he'd fall asleep. But every time we got up, he would just start screaming again. Uh, Or we tried shutting the door and walking away and leaving him to cry out. uh, And he still just screamed and screamed and screamed. And we tried such bad parenting techniques as putting the iPad in the cot with a really boring documentary on it so that he would just zone out and watch it until he fell asleep. Um, And that didn't always work either. So uh, we tried and tried and tried everything. And uh, I observed my friend at the time. So I had a friend who also had a son, uh, he was a year and a half old, but her son never seemed to go through this nighttime terror anxiety phase. Uh, And I noticed, well, She, uh, well, her son, he also had a baby sister in the room with him. So if you're thinking, wait, wait, she had a a year and a half year old son and then she also had a baby already. Wait, is that right? Uh, Sorry, let me help you understand. Uh, She went to rehope, and uh, rehope, people do that kind of thing here. Uh, But that's not what this is about. So her son never seemed to go through the nighttime terror anxiety thing that, that my son did. And my theory was. But it was because he was never really on his own, like he had a sister there with him, so he had the company. So I thought, right, we never want to go through this phase again. Uh, Whenever we have another baby, they're going to share a room as soon as possible so that this baby doesn't need to be on on their own and will sleep better at night. So a couple of years later, we had Ayla, Uh, the kids shared a room from the second it was possible. Uh, And I'm pleased to say, praise God, Ayla never went through the nighttime terror, aloneness, anxiety thing, which was amazing. Um, So that worked, or at least it worked for Ayla. Rory, on the other hand is now nearly five and he still gets out of bed most nights and says that he doesn't like being on his own. Uh, now right enough he doesn't do the whole terror anxiety scream thing that he used to uh, but most nights even this week he's heard me practice the message I'm going to share with you a million times because he keeps getting up out of bed uh, in the evening uh, but most nights he gets up and he says I just I don't want to be on my own and we always say but Rory, you're not on your own like you've got Ayla with you right there. And then his line is, but I don't want to be on my own with Ayla. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now my point behind this story, uh, Ruri is not truly alone, but he feels alone. There's something for for connection and and for being close to other people. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Because there is a longing within every single one of us for connection and for love. Today's message is called Seeking Love. No, it's not a dating service, something like that. Uh, Although it sounds like that. No, it's about uh, this longing within us. You see, it's Christmas. And at Christmas, we celebrate God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, God's love. And we celebrate God's love. And we celebrate by reaching out to other people around us with love as well. But this message isn't going to be about seeking to love others. This message is going to be about seeking to receive love. That might sound backwards to you, uh, but I'll tell you that if we are not filled up with love for ourselves, then we will be limited in our capacity to pour out on love, love on people who are around us. And that's why it's important that we get this stuff. So before I talk about seeking love, uh, I want to mention this concept of loneliness. And I would guess that here in the room today, we have two different kinds of lonely people. Uh, We have people who are actually alone and maybe don't have friends and family and people close nearby. And then there's people who are not actually alone, like they have people in their lives, but there's something about their circumstances that causes them to feel isolated and, and that's painful. And then there's probably people here in the room today who would say, loneliness isn't my struggle, like, that's not my thing. And if that's you, then I am happy for you. That is really great. Uh, but I hope that you still get something out of this message, because I have no doubt that there are lonely people in your life who need love, and they need, they need connection. So what does God think of loneliness? Let's begin by turning to Genesis. Genesis. beginning of this story. Uh, I'll skip the first chapter of Genesis, but basically what's happened is God has created everything that exists. So like the the waters, the sky, the plants, the stars, uh, the moon, stuff like that. And at the end of each section in creation, it says, and it was good. Finally, on the sixth day, God created mankind who who are the only ones in creation, by the way, who are made in the image of God and were given this special responsibility to look after the earth and everything in it. And it was only then when men were made that it says in verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good, for man to be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. So God makes all the animals, God lets Adam name them, uh, but even then none of them are sufficient to complement the needs of man and so God forms woman out of man's rib and it says in verse 23, and the man said, this one at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So to sum up the value statements that I see here in the first couple chapters of Genesis, uh, we've got all creation, everything that was made, and it was good. We've got humankind, and humankind are very good. And then we've got the one thing that is not good before the fall, and that is aloneness, or loneliness, loneliness being on our own right from the beginning of this story mankind are made with a purpose of relationship with God and with people and yet even this perfect God of the heavens and earth who did a good job of creating all of the things uh, made a world that was not yet sufficient to meet the needs of man to thrive unless he had company so, I find it interesting that even before sin entered the world and evil comes into this picture, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So, why does loneliness sting? Uh, I'd say loneliness stings because it is not a good environment for us to live in. So, if you don't like being alone, I hope you feel justified. We were created with a longing for company and for companionship. And I used to think that loneliness was a sign of weakness or immaturity, Uh, but now I see it more like an enemy. Like for me, loneliness is like my nemesis. You know, for some people their nemesis is pride, or for some people their nemesis is this drive for success. Uh, But for me, it's loneliness. And that is the biggest thing that is a threat to, to my capacity to be able to give to others, or, or just threatening my capacity to be who God created me to be. And I'm not a completely alone person. In fact, I have a lot of people who love me. I've got family, I've got friends. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, like there is some stuff in my life that causes me to feel isolated and that hurts. And I know too well uh, the pain of lying awake for hours at night, you know, just overthinking those things that cause you to be alone. And I know how painful it is, and yet my reality is I'm not alone. I have a husband, I have kids, I have a cat. <laughs> Some people are thinking, you are lonely. <laughs> no, but I have friends, I have church, I have God, I'm not truly alone. I know what that feels like and I don't intend this message to be a public moan from a desperate extrovert (laughs) Um, but I do feel that God wants me to address this today because I think that he wants to expose loneliness as a thief and I think loneliness is a very real thief among us all Uh, and I think God wants to expose it as that so that we can strengthen our own defences but also so that we can help strengthen the defences of other people are being broken into by loneliness. Jesus says in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. And we've been talking about seeking hope and seeking joy and seeking peace, all good things. Well, loneliness is like the thief that is on a mission to steal those things from us. And the point of this message is about seeking love, because love is going to conquer thieves like loneliness. And when love triumphs over loneliness, it's gonna guard our peace and our joy. And that is my hope for all of us here today. See, the truth is that we are all accepted and loved as a part of a a bigger story that has been revealed to us through the Bible. Some people call it the gospel, some people call it the good news, uh, but it goes something like this, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, as we've just said, we were created with the purpose of relationship, God made us so we could have relationship with him, and also relationship with people. But because of our sin, many of you all know the next part of the story, uh, the bad news is We got stuff wrong. uh, And our sin kind of drove a wedge in the relationship between us and God. So there's distance there. There's a separation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's everyone. That's not just like goodies and baddies. Like we've all fallen short. And then 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin deserves death, according to the Bible, and that might sound a bit harsh, um, but a true and loving and perfect God cannot be okay with evil, and I know that any of you in this room today who have been on the receiving end of true evil would probably agree with me, like if you've experienced child abuse or human trafficking or like horrific acts of terror, Like I'm sure all of us deep down would want to think that a good God would not be okay with that and that there would be consequences and that that would not just be ignored. And that's the reality. God is perfect and is good and he cannot tolerate sin and so that is naturally going to put a gap between us and God. He can't be around that. But the kind of love that our God has for us goes beyond what is fair and what is right and it's called grace. It's something good that we don't deserve. You see, God made a plan for us uh, to take care of the issue with all the evil in the world so that we could still have this relationship with him and so that we could still uh, be with him forever. John 3.16 says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, and at Christmas we celebrate that God came to earth as a man that is Jesus I mean Emmanuel means God with us and the reason that Jesus came to earth was to pay the debt of all the evil in the world and it was going to take only a man who really was fully human and yet also fully God and his death to really pay the cost of all of the evil that is going on in the world And what was the cost of that to our Father in heaven? Well, can you imagine? Like, he had to watch his only son die the most excruciatingly painful death because that's how much he wanted to have a relationship with you. And then the cost of that for Jesus. Well, he didn't want to do it. Brian just preached on unanswered prayer. And uh, did you notice Jesus asked the Father, Father, could you take this cup from me? Is there any way I don't have to go through with this death? And yet he willingly went through with it because he knew that that's what it was going to take to pay the cost of this sin problem. And that's what it's going to take for you to be able to have a relationship with God. That is what you are worth to God, that he would give his son, that Jesus would die for you. And all along, God promised that he would come back And live with us. Uh, We are still waiting for that future day when Jesus will come back and rescue us and when we give our lives to him we live with the assurance that we get to live with God forever in heaven and that has always been the plan. We're going to be reunited with God but we don't have to wait until that future day to know God's love. One of my Christian pet peeves is when people say things like oh, when when we go to heaven, then we'll ask God, dot, dot, dot. So like, oh, when we go to heaven, I'll ask God why he didn't answer that prayer. Or when I go to heaven, I'll I'll know what it really feels like to feel true peace. I, I don't want to downplay heaven. Like, heaven is going to be far superior to anything we experience now, for sure. But there is also so much more that we can experience now on this earth And maybe we're missing out on it because we're not even expecting it. And this is the difference between a religion and a relationship. You see, religion is about seeing the rules and seeing what is right and doing the right things for the sake of the right things, for the sake of the right one. But then a relationship with God is about knowing him. It's about walking with him, talking with him, hearing from him, and actually experiencing his love now, not just expecting it in the future. And that is what God is calling us to here. He's calling us to relationship. So I'm going to share with you my suggested steps towards seeking God's love. Number one, give yourself permission to seek love. Now I expect that even the phrase seeking love is causing many of us to either cringe a lot or just put up our defenses, because that sounds awkward. Uh, And why is that? that's because we are in Scotland and in Scotland we don't make it about us, like we don't build ourselves up, it's not about what we receive because we don't want to be arrogant and no one wants to be that person. But I'll tell you that if you are a Christian, seeking love, it might not be a Scotland thing but it is a kingdom of God thing and so I would encourage you to seek first his kingdom. And if you're not a Christian, then I can tell you this is for everyone. This is an open invitation. You don't have to be a Christian to know God's love. You can seek it out for yourself because it is his desire that all of us would know it. Last week, I was really struck by Brian's comment about joy. He said, if you are passive about seeking joy, joy is going to pass you by. So might it be that we're missing out on love because we're not seeking it and we're not expecting it? And for those of you here who still can't get past the, the Scottishness of not making it about us, well, if you can't seek God for yourself for yourself, why don't you seek God's love for yourself for the sake of other people? Because if you're not filled up with love yourself, you're gonna be limited. And what capacity you have to pour it out on other people. So give yourself permission to seek God's love. Number two, accept the concept that God loves you. Now, we just talked about a God who loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son. He willingly went through that. But sometimes I think it's hard for us to receive the love in that story because we think, but... God did that for everyone. Like, how can He love me individually that much when He has that same love for everyone? Well, I think you just need to let God figure out how He has the capacity to love all of you that much. Our job is just to accept it. And can you imagine how frustrating it is when you love someone and they don't love you back? Like, I'm sure we all know what it's like when you walk into a room. And you love someone there, like you love them. And you know where they are at every moment. You might not have even said hi yet, but you always know exactly where they are. And you notice when they wear something new. You notice who they're talking to. You see that. And you know how much it means to you when they just make eye contact. And you know how painful it is when they walk out and they didn't even say hi. Do you ever wonder if God feels that way about us? Like he loves us this much. He has done this much for us. Sometimes we don't even look up. So accept that God loves you. If not for you, do it for him. Number three, seek to know what kind of love is this? If you don't know what kind of love God has for you, you need to seek it out. As I said, this is a relationship with God. This is walking and talking with him, listening to him, getting to know him. And I would suggest that the best place to start is your Bible. This is why I love that we do Bible read-through groups here. So in our Bible groups, we don't just read uh, isolated passages, but we read the whole Bible. We read from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. And as we do that, we're looking for things like, who is God? What is he like? What does he think of things? How does he respond to people in different situations? And what does he say about the future? And these are all the kind of things that I'm taking note of and I'm underlining as we go. So when you read the Bible, don't think of it like you're sitting down studying a book. Imagine yourself literally sitting there with God and listening to him. Because that's actually what's happening. He is there with you and he is speaking to you through the Bible. So seek to know what kind of love is this. And then number four, identify yourself with God's love. My favorite Bible character is John, who we've been studying recently. Uh, Why do I like John? I like John because, I may have read this wrong, but I see him as like this really young guy who is really zealous for God he's really passionate about Jesus Uh, but sometimes he can be a bit socially awkward or just kind of say the wrong thing but I love that about him because I feel like I can kind of identify with that like sometimes I'm that person that said something that wasn't right anyway so John wrote the book of John but have you ever noticed that in the book of John he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved you notice that, so like thirteen twenty three says one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to me i 'm going to read it to you from John twenty it says early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. I'm going to keep reading because I find the next bit really funny too, so maybe you'll find it funny as well. Um, Have you ever noticed that John wants to make it really clear that he's a faster runner than Peter? Have you noticed that? Right, he says it three times, watch this. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. First. But can you identify yourself as being the one Jesus loves? Like, can you honestly and proudly say, I am the one Jesus loves? Our God is a personal God. Like, he's not just a, I love all of you kind of God. He loves us individually. So don't just have a corporate relationship with God. Don't just think of yourself as one in a sea of many. Identify yourself as the one God loves, and think of it like that. Identify yourself with God's love. Number five, experience God's love always. My son told me on Friday, he, he's in P1, he came home from school. In fact, no, this was at night when he should have been sleeping and wasn't sleeping. Um, and he said to me, Mommy, today I saw the Holy Spirit at school.' <laughs> so I laughed thought that's funny. And I said to him, how do you know it was the Holy Spirit? Like, did you feel it? Did you know it? Like, like, I was like, what's going on there? And he said, I feeled it and I knowed it. And I said to him, okay, what does the Holy Spirit feel like? Like, I was just curious to know. And he said, "Feel like a fluffy bed. <laughs> And I was thinking, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our comfort. And so I love that my son thinks he feels like a fluffy bed. Because that sounds pretty comfortable. God does reveal his self to us now. We can know him here on earth and we can feel what it feels like to be close to him. So think about the time that you invest in your earthly relationships. Like the time you invest in getting to know people spending time with them? Are you making time to invest in your heavenly relationship and experiencing God and experiencing his love now? Some ways to do that, Uh, we talked about the Bible. Also, prayer. Prayer is just talking and and listening to God. Don't overthink it. Do you take a Sabbath? God has commanded us to take a whole day every week to rest and to spend time with him. This is a gift to us. This is not meant to be a guilty obligation. This is because God wants you to know his love and experience it. And all these things aren't meant to be legalistic or they're not meant to make you feel guilty. Uh, Bible, prayer, Sabbath, these are meant to be like useful tools to make it easier for you to connect with God and actually experience him here on earth. You can learn to discern God's, God's voice in your life. In fact, I believe that every single one of you here hears God's voice. That's what the Bible says. And if you think, no, I don't hear from God, then I would say it's not that you're not hearing from God, it's that you don't recognize when he's talking to you. If you want me to recommend a book on that, chat to me later. But finally, I want to leave you with this verse. It's Zephaniah 3:17 that says, the Lord, your God, is with you. See, loneliness is a lie. It's not true. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Not only is God with you, but he delights in you, and he rejoices over you with singing. Have you ever rejoiced over something with singing? Like, it's like when you go to football and everyone's just singing over the crowds, you know, singing to their team. Uh, Why do they do that? Not because they want to sound good, but because they are excited and because they are cheering on the team and they're supporting them. And that is what it's like with God and you. The Bible says He is singing over you because He supports you and He rejoices in you that much. Can you imagine that kind of energy behind that kind of love for you? I don't want us. To miss out on this kind of love. So that's why I'm saying seek love today because there is a lonely world out there and in here. And my hope is that in this church we would be the kind of people who are so filled up with God's love that we have the maximum capacity to make a real difference in a lonely and hurting world want you to know God's love, not just for you, uh, but also for the people that you know who really need it. So I've got some challenges for you today. Number one, write out Zephaniah 3.17 in your own handwriting. Pause after each line and meditate on what that means in your life. So this is like the backwards read-through, like in read-through you read a lot really quickly. And this, I want you to just take this this passage and really slowly look at the different lines. Challenge number two, intentionally seek God's love in a 10-minute prayer time, three times this week. And finally, ask God how you can show love to a lonely person this week. And I would add there, God is the master of knowing who we can reach out to none of us have the capacity to reach the needs of everyone but God knows who in your life you can reach out to and what you can do that would make a difference so just follow those nudges in your heart and trust that God's going to direct you to the right person so I'm going to pray shall I I invite the band back up welcome back band you guys are great Uh, I'm going to pray and ask God to reveal his love Well, Lord God, we praise you uh, for this amazing love that you have for us. So Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I pray that you would increase our expectations as to the kind of love that you have. And Lord, that we would know your love and that we would find freedom in it. Lord God, we ask for more. And I pray that we would not be held back by loneliness, but Lord, that we would rejoice in you. And Lord, you would teach us how to reach out to other people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.